to another episode of Monday Night Bam That's Sports and Matt Weekly, the show where we talk some sports, the show where we talk some entertainment, and then at the end, we bring it all together to chat some sports entertainment and or wrestling. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by the one, the only, the almost headphoneless Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Yeah, Boris, I was uh, behind the eight ball finding headphones. I think I might have left them at the bar when we all drunkenly went out and did some karaoke and uh, <laughs> hung out like the gang. That was a lot of fun this weekend. But uh, yeah, man, how are you doing today? Big I'm homie? doing good. Doing really good. So like, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you or on a podcast. I am the worst Latino humanly possible. I am even worse than Andrade as a Latino. Um, I'm joking. I don't know why I said that. Um, like, so, number one, I hate mango. Mango is the fruit that I just cannot stand. The smell, the texture, mango. Oh. Nah, nah, not having any of it. Number two, I'm allergic to the sun. Really? You're yeah. Allergic to the sun? Allergic to the sun. So, What do you mean? I get uh, rashes, I get hives, my skin gets super bumpy uh, within like, uh, you know, a good level of exposure, direct exposure to the sun. So that's why, if you noticed, I was wearing like longer sleeve uh, shirt on Saturday, just because it like the sun really does affect me. Uh, I sometimes have to wear like, you know, those those super thin sweaters just so the sun doesn't directly hit me. But yeah. Um, being out all day on Saturday, yeah, it wasn't sunny all day, but the sun was still peeking through the clouds. That makes it 10 times worse. Uh, so yeah, by Saturday night when I got home, God knows what time, Sunday morning, um, yeah, my skin was not having any of it. Oh no. Do you have like a skincare routine? Do you usually wear a lot of sunscreen? What's going on there? Yeah, I have, to wear, like, like... S- I have to wear like SPF, like, you know, SPF a thousand. Like it's SPF crazy. Brock Lesnar. Yeah, SPF Brock Lesnar. Like it's crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, like my my arms, especially my arms right now. My face isn't too bad, uh, but my arms are just burning still, still, oh, dang. still. Right, and yeah, I, I did do stuff yesterday. Went for a Boris walk and everything, but yeah, my my arms are just are still burning. Uh, so so that that's always fun. But yeah, having a sun allergy when you're Latino and you know visiting family <laughs> in in tropical countries is always yeah. a very fun fun experience. Yeah, no doubt. You grew up in L.A., man. Yeah. Jeez. But I didn't have <laughs> the allergy. Didn't hit me until I turned like eighteen, nineteen. I didn't really have an issue. The first time I ever had an issue with this actually was when i was i think 14 15 in 2001 uh right uh, I, I went for a my first solo vacation in el salvador to visit family do all that fun stuff uh fun fact about that one i came back september 10th 2001 at wow. night yeah <laughs> so wow. yeah i would, I would have been stuck for three four weeks in el salvador if i had come back the next morning or after, well, of, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. So holy, anyways, holy man. That was the first time that I, I realized, like, hey, this son might not like me, but everyone just chopped it up to, ah, you're not used to the El Salvador sun. 
You know, it's like <laughs> you, you stupid Canadian. You're not used <laughs> to the real sun. So that's what I chopped it up to. But yeah, later in life, I realized, like, especially spending a lot of time outside, playing outdoor soccer, softball, stuff like that. That like, hey, every time I'm in the sun, my skin gets really itchy, really bad, really bumpy, um, and, and yeah, it's just it's not a fun one. It's not a fun thing to have when you want to spend time outside. Yeah, I feel you. I have like mild eczema. So like sometimes I'll get like a couple like you could see some red blotches on my hand even today just like faintly. But it's not like like unbearable, you know what I mean? It's not even terribly itchy or like itchy at all. It's just kind of rouge on my arm, you know? It's just kind of like I, I get cheetah skin sometimes in the summer. So I, yeah. I that sucks, man. Like well, you might actually, be like painful. Sorry for everyone on the podcast feed. We got to start recording these at some point, but you might notice like under my eye like it's a little red still. Right, right. Yeah, that's 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 from the sun. That is like no doubt. direct from the sun. Uh, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Like I hate it because like I do love spending a lot of time outside, but I pay for it like dearly. And now like oh. it gets really bad sometimes. Like it's not too bad right now from from Saturday. And the only reason is just because it wasn't directly under the sun because uh, thankfully right. both Jason and I have been to enough Blue Jays games where we know if the game's at this time you should be sitting in these seats to get you know a little bit more of the shade that's actually like classic veteran move that's really good that you have that experience when you're going to a Jays game man but yeah no it's it's manageable I hope anyway like just wear sunscreen wear that yeah. sweet hat that McGuire got you you know what I mean yeah, and like long right sleeves there, right there it is yeah, I'm there still wearing you see even podcasting yeah. if if my headset could fit over it I would yeah but there we go Unfortunately, it doesn't fit over the headset, but yeah, like that's said, hilarious, man. Hat of 2022, the summer hat of 2022. <laughs> it's the Boris Escobar hat. Yes, exactly. All I need is like, I was telling, uh, ooh, almost said the name, someone yesterday, uh, all I need is like a cigar at all times. <laughs> okay, there's a couple things that can add to the Pablo Escobar. Uh, <laughs> but we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Why do you, this is a family show? Why you gotta, why you gotta make well, it all dark it. and twisty? That's why we left it, Boris. Do you want to move on to sports chat, big homie? Well, before we do, how are you? I haven't asked you. How is Matt? Oh, I'm well. I was worried I kind of picked something up actually at the bar, not uh, a, a, a virus, not a, another human being, but uh, <laughs> I was kind of sick. You can you may maybe hear it in my voice. I'm a little stuffy in the nasal region, but uh, you know, just trying to get some fluids in me, get some sleep. I'm gonna go get some fresh air in a second. Touch grass, as the kids say, as I like to say on this podcast. Always good to go out and go go get some of that Boris walk action, you know. But I, I'm just kind of recovering. I felt like shit yesterday, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, that's weird. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a walk from these to the karaoke bar because it was cold and it was starting no. to rain. It was starting no, that's, to rain. Actually, that's true. It was raining on us just a bit. But no, I don't think so. I walked home, too, and I, no. I, I think I was fine. But, uh, man, no, no, I don't know. I, no worse for wear. You know, it's, it feels like a little cold. I should actually take a test and make sure. But uh, anyway, uh, recovering, Boris. Drinking some spicy apple tea. President's Choice. It's a solid product. I got it on sale. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Make a hot toddy out of it. Yeah, oh, exactly. The hottest of toddies. What a weird drink. 
Hey, I love it. I used to, like, the first time I had it, it was, God knows how long ago, I was at this bar, and, uh, like, my throat was tingling, and um, I asked them, hey, is there, like, a drink, like, a warm drink with a ton of alcohol that isn't, a, <laughs> you know, a Spanish coffee or something like that, and that they brought this thing, oh, changed my life, changed my world. If you're unfamiliar, uh, basically, a hot toddy is an alcoholic neo-citron. That's yeah. what a hot toddy is. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's it's alcoholic tea, which ends up tasting like neocitrin. Yeah. Exactly like neocitrin. But and yeah, neos- actually, dude, neocitrin just destroys me. I don't like. I know I've said it on this show, and I know I've told you. I don't take a lot of medication. Uh, like it's something like even even Tylenol. I will I will only take unless I absolutely need it. Um, even with this like bum shoulder, it's just like, I've been so careful. I have this weird fear. I have this weird fear, right? Um, so don't you love how that's, that's my line. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. A crank and bone shaker beers at one in the afternoon. But it wasn't yeah, even we'll... one. It wasn't even <laughs> one. That's the funniest part. It was just one of those, you know what though? I, I, like, I was telling the guys at brunch, look, I didn't drink like for the past week. This is my day. This is my yeah. day to shine. That's what I do. Like, I don't drink every day. I drink when I'm out, you know, especially like a boy's day like that, right? Like, that. that's when Boris comes out and has some fun for until like 5, 6 in the morning. Nice. And then goes back into hibernation for yeah. 6 to 7 days and then does that's it again. Exactly. Rinse and repeat, right? <laughs> or I'll have like a, a weekend, right? But uh, it's not like... Every single day, just need. I felt like I need to throw that bad boy out, but uh, yeah, Neo Citran just knocks me out, dude. I have one Neo Citran, and it will just like conk me out for like twelve hours. You know, maybe you should uh, keep one or two of those on hand next time you need to get some sleep in an emergency situation. Oh, I know. I I do have it. I just don't like taking it. Like I have yeah. this weird fear. I'm gonna become addicted to it or something. <laughs> to Neo Citran. Well, maybe more Neo Citran. Yeah. Uh, again, you can just hit up the uh, any number of bars in Toronto for that sweet, sweet toddy. The yep. hottest of toddies. Yep. Anyways, so I guess there's a lot of sports to chat about. Uh, you know, looks uh, the NBA is looking very interesting. The NHL is looking fantastic. Where do you want to take us, uh, Matt? I'll just start with the NHL. I was just briefly going through the the East and West Conference. So it definitely looks like the Tampa Bay Lightning are about to eliminate the Panthers. They're up 3-0 in that series. They play tonight, Monday, May 23rd. I got to think, actually, the Panthers will take one, maybe two games there, but ultimately Tampa's winning that series. Yep, agreed 100%. I wouldn't be surprised. So this is what's going to happen. It's going to go to game. It's going to end tonight, or it's going to go to game six, or whenever the next game is tomorrow. Tomorrow, today. This this is game four. Uh, game five, if necessary, Boris would be Wednesday, May twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah, th- th- that's what I mean. It's either going to end in game four or it's going to go to game six. Game six, you say? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I'm going to go. I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to say Florida gets one. It ends in game five Wednesday night. You, you just can't, for the life of you, <laughs> ever fully agree with me. Hey, man, I gotta, I gotta speak my, uh, I gotta speak my truth on this podcast. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, the other Eastern Conference semifinal, we have Carolina and the Rangers. Carolina currently up two one. The Rangers uh, looking really good, looking like they're figuring it out. The young kids were firing on the last game. I still like the Rangers there. Yep, same here, same here. I think at the end of the day, the Rangers are gonna end up winning, but it's all mute, or as Joey Tribbiani would say, moo point because the Avalanche are just <laughs> are just looking insane good. 
Yeah, moving on to the West, Colorado versus St. Louis. Avalanche lead that series 2-1. to one. St. Louis lost Jordan Bennington for the series. They're headed back to Ville Husso. And I, as much as I do like Husso's game, I think that's going to hurt St. Louis. I think Colorado will win this game and win this series probably in five. Yep, yep, I agree. I agree with you. So we're not wavering on any of our picks there, Boris. That brings us to the main event, the Battle of Alberta. Oilers up 2-1 right now. Friends of the podcast, the Edmonton Oilers. So I have to ask you, are there even goaltenders in net in this series? <laughs> you got to see, that's that's the difference to me. Because you got to think that Markstrom will figure it out. Calgary's goalie, one of the best in the league, has been for uh, the last five years, ten years maybe. Uh, ten years is strong. Five years for sure. And you got to think he's going to figure it out. I have much less faith in the Oilers goalies, sadly. Mike Smith and Koskinen. So I do think long-term that is the issue, Boris. No one, no one can buy a save in this series. Although... The Oilers goalie, they, I mean, the, the last game, Edmonton only let in one goal. They were shutting him down. Yep, yep, exactly. That That's the thing, right? Yeah, like, it's, this series has been insane. And the reason why I am I, I made that uh, little joke about no goaltenders is because game one and two were just such, and especially game one. Game one, it was just an insane score. I forget exactly what it was, but. Game one, yeah. Game one, 9-6 Calgary. Boris yeah. was the final game two five three Edmonton game three four one Edmonton. It's been a ton of fun. Definitely the best series, but it's been a great NHL playoff through and through. Every single game has been entertaining. Even the Calgary Dallas series, I enjoyed. Hey, honestly, that's the thing. Like, like I think it was last week that we were talking about this, where we were saying like it takes you back to the early '90s playoffs. Like, this has been such a fun playoffs. I've never watched this much hockey in my life. I, I, I really feel Canadian. I really feel like a hoser <laughs> now, uh, with just the sheer amount of hockey that I've been watching. And these are words I never thought I would say out loud. Hey, well, you love to hear it, eh? Well, dude, I love, I love. <laughs> I do like hockey. I really do. I just don't like what hockey has turned into over the past few years. <clears throat> and I find the playoffs insufferable sometimes. Well, yeah, I, I can understand that. But they're scoring goals, man. It's not just New Jersey Devils 1995 trap and chase hockey anymore. We're getting 9-6 in the playoffs. It's, it's and definitely it's this it's nice combination of fast-paced hockey with good hits. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. Hockey evolves so quickly in front of our eyes, like 10, 10, 20 years ago, as fun as those games were, those players weren't moving nearly as fast as they are today. A Connor McDavid spinning at full speed, going between his legs, doing all these things like we haven't seen athletes like this before. Hockey evolves so, so quickly. Can so we, I think they do have a good balance. Good call. Can we take a second? To appreciate the talent that is the Roxanne Perez of professional hockey, Connor McDavid. <laughs> See what you did there. This man is incredible, man. It's 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 like watching LeBron in 2010-11. It's like watching uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes now in the NFL. It's just this guy is just at the height of his powers, doing things like heretofore unseen in the sport. Like he's breaking barriers, the sound barrier. Yeah, no, it's absolutely insane. How how does he have twenty points? Is it? Uh yeah, twenty points in nine games, I believe. I think yeah. he's got multi like multi point games in all but one of the games he's played in this postseason. It's incredible. It's incredible. So, sorry, if he, he stopped, tw he has twenty three points in ten playoff games. Fourth 
best start in history behind Wayne Gretzky, who did it twice, and Mario Lemieux. Amazing. The two goats. Gretzky, yep. the greatest career of all time, and Mario Lemieux. Wayne Gretzky himself will tell you the most gifted player of all time who had to overcome a broken back and cancer and still is probably the second best player ever. So. Yep. Exactly, and and so so to me, I feel like Connor McDavid should just start wearing the number sixty nine. <laughs> That's a bold choice. Uh, we it took an awful long way to get there for that joke, Boris. But that's why, <laughs> that's why we love. That's why we love you, buddy. Uh, long term storytelling, baby. <laughs> Eat shit, Tony Khan. <laughs> you do realize that was the whole setup to this, right? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing, man. <laughs> I love how I just stole the show. <laughs> it just completely just derailed us. Well, that's the end of Hockey Talk. Let's move on quick. <laughs> Let's quickly talk about uh, Andrew Wiggins absolutely posterizing young Luka Doncic last night, ending his life. No, I mean, he didn't. Luka took it well. There was a, a fun little comment uh, at the post-game presser. But yeah, Wiggins throws down a huge dunk. Andrew Wiggins is here looking like he's a, a, like a contributing piece to a championship team in Golden he- State. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins right now is looking like the Andrew Wiggins of of legend, the Andrew Wiggins that everyone thought he was going to be. I feel like he got a really bad start to his career, but right now, maybe it's because he has a team around him. (laughs) <laughs> and like maybe like some guys are are, are are perennial pippins, right? They need support. They need people around them. They're not gonna be the showstoppers. They're not gonna be the stars, right? But I think Andrew Wiggins is a perfect example of someone who is good with a good cast, a good Absolutely. supporting actor. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's not the star, but he's an excellent supporting actor in the right movie, in the right system. And he has found the best system in the league to possibly be in. And the thing that gets to me about this series, so right now, as of Monday, May 23rd, uh, the Golden State Warriors are up 3 nothing. But we need to take a look at Luka Doncic's, uh, just his, his, his output in this series. Last night, what did he end with? Almost 40 points, above 40 points. Like, he's been killing it. But he's literally oh, the only person on that team right now. Yeah, that's it, it's a big problem. Yeah, uh, Luka Doncic, 40 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists. Uh, Jalen Brunson is playing decently as well. He had uh, he had 20 points. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie also on that team. Yeah. He's, he's he's pretty solid. They they do have some pieces, but at the end of the day, they don't have enough. Uh, it would it would have taken a Herculean effort and a lot of luck for Doncic to be able to pull this off. And right now, I mean, it's not looking like it's going to happen down 3 nothing. Uh that comeback has never occurred in the NBA. Not never, not even close. Uh 3-1 has happened, but never 3 nothing. So yesterday's win was like or yesterday's game was super important for Dallas to win uh because no one has come back from 3 nothing in the NBA. Other sports, yes. Uh so yeah, un- it's unfortunate because you want a Luka to to win you want him to to get his due because like he is one of the most talented players and he showed it and he continues to show it but the issue is he's facing a golden state warriors team that is energized rejuvenated and has something to prove over the past few years because last year they didn't even make the playoffs but it had nothing to do with talent it just had to do everything with injuries Absolutely right. Yeah. And they're pissed off and they're playing hard. And 
they're already basically through the West. They're one game away from the final right now, and they're just they're they're going to put their feet up and watch Boston and Miami brutalize each other and basically play a couple NFL games, at least CFL games. They're hitting each other hard, Boris. Yeah, they are. Saturday's game. So when we were at the karaoke bar, at the corner of my eye, I was constantly watching the Miami-Boston game. Man, they were just killing each other. Like, they were just, like, just, 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 just working each other hard. It was a good old uh, American Strong-style match. Yeah, definitely. It definitely was a blood sport style match, not necessarily Dante Martin versus Ray Phoenix. You know what I mean? It was John Moxley versus Biff Busick. It's yeah. 1990s ball out there, but I love to see it. And Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Lowry hasn't been playing, but those those kinds of players, heat culture, perfectly suited for that. I'm not saying that the Celtics aren't tough, but the, the Heat are the toughest team in the league. They're the ones turning this game into a rock fight you know what i mean and they're succeeding at it so yeah 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 but right now the miami heat are up two to one let's see if they can make it three to one later today on monday may 23rd uh but that's looking uh more and more like uh my 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 bracket is uh, still a thing your bracket's holding true man yeah miami golden state my bracket was busted long ago but uh I'm definitely cheering for, at this point, Kyle Lowry versus Steph Curry, Miami versus Golden State in the final. Let's go. Exactly. At this point, you might as well. You might as freaking well at this point. I think that would be an amazing, amazing finals. I think that, uh, you know, 2019, it, there's some PTSD on Steph Curry about 2019 and Kyle Lowry. And I think it would be just great seeing those two just square up going back at it, yeah. you know? Yeah, the rematch going toe to toe. Lowry up one nothing against Steph in the finals. Anyway, so that would be that would be a ton of fun, and yeah, I I, I would be happy with either of those teams winning and, because and I like I like to see like the 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 dominant team, the uh, the dynasty, if you will, add one more to the resume. But at the same time, we're Toronto boys. How could you not cheer for Lowry? How could you not? Yeah, and uh, with the same token, how can you not like Steph Curry being from Toronto? I think people always forget True. how his roots are so Toronto based. It's a great point. That's a great point. Spent a lot of time here. Del Curry spent a lot of time here. His name is Wardell Stephen Curry. He is the son of Del Boris. Let us not forget. Exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, I'm just thinking back as we were talking about that game six, the first two minutes, a.k.a. the Laurie two minutes of game six, uh, Golden State versus the Raptors. If it wasn't for those or that early start, the Raptors would not have won game six. Yeah, I, it's indisputable. It's not really even an opinion. I think go watch the tape. It's a fact. That's a fact, buddy. Yep. All right, man. So that is the NBA. Yes, sir. So, yeah, basically we're going to do the same thing for you next week, except we should have a final set in the National Basketball Association, and we should have a Final Four in the NHL. Although, Boris, if the Battle of Alberta goes to Game 7, that will be Monday night, May 30th. So we might be setting up Game 7, Battle of Alberta. If not, we'll have a winner. We can talk about that. Yep, exactly. So that's uh, pretty much where we're at with sports. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a ton of fun. Oh, hey, do you want to talk about the Jays game you all saw? The quickest baseball game in history, faster than an episode of Monday Night Raw it was? Yeah, dude, it was, it was two and a half hours soaking wet. It was, I think, under two and a half hours. <laughs> and it was honestly... Wait, 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 wait. 
Why would you? Sorry. Why would the amount of wetness affect how quickly the soaking wet with bricks in its pockets? Two and a half hours. Sorry. Because I just like that saying, so I, I try to incorporate <laughs> it where I can, even I if it's it. out, as at loundish as a length of time, as opposed to a measure unit of measure or or, or weight. You know what I mean? I I dig the bit, Boris. I'm a big fan. <laughs> it's kind of like our from our gut of guts. Exactly, exactly right. But yeah, fun game to see. Future Cy Young winner, Alec Manoa. Kind of sucks that Montoya took him out. Uh, have you ever heard of the term the Maddox? Uh, no. It's it's like a, like not slang, but it's like a baseball. It's kind of like an unofficial baseball stat. It's a complete game in under 100 pitches. The, the Maddox, named after Greg Maddox because he was an efficient killer out there and he often threw complete games in under 100 pitches. So he was close to a Maddox. He could have achieved the Maddox theoretically and they still pulled him. I get it because Romano's a good closer, but ah, you, you hate to see it. You know, I got to say, Montoya and Roberts, Dodgers, Jays managers need to be a little more tranquilo when it comes to the stats. <laughs> like... I understand analytics. I really do. But gut feeling has a place. If Manoa came out and he even walked one batter, allowed one base runner, then you yank him. But come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on. Have some balls, Montoya. (laughs) Have some balls, Charlie. Just let him out there. Let the kid go. I don't disagree with a uh, syllable that you just said, but this is the world we live in, man. It's it's 2022. You're preaching to the choir, but man, it's uh, it's not ever, ever going to change. I don't think like this is numbers. This is the numbers world we live in. Maybe it'll shift again in, in five to 10 years, but right now it's all about analytics. It's all about this thing says this. So your gut be damned. We're doing this. Yeah, that's that. And it, it, you know what? If you take a look at some of the games, it's hurt us. We yank them after 80, 90 pitches, and then our bullpen isn't the best right now. So, you know, we shit the bed. That, again, no argument. But it worked out on that night. That night? That day? So, (laughs) yes, yes, that afternoon. But, uh, yeah, man, I wish wish Manoa would have gotten the chance to go complete game. The Greg Maddox complete game in under 100 pitches. Yeah, but that game was just insane fast. Like, you know, if you listen to the to the Patreon version of the show, uh, Mike mentioned he literally left at like the fourth inning. He didn't even take a long time. He took like maybe forty five minutes max, and he caught back by like the eighth, almost the eighth inning. Yeah, absolutely wild. Like, yeah, the game was played in warp speed, man. It was it was kind of dope though. These uh, young pitchers, no time to waste. They're out there to do their job, not dilly dally. Exactly. And the craziest part is if you see Manoa pitch, he takes a long time between pitches. That is, yeah. He Well, he is a, he, he's efficient. He gets people out, like, in a low number of pitches. He's very, very good. But that's interesting. I've now, I've obviously never seen him live. But even watching in person, I, or uh, not in person, on television, I've really gotten that impression. I'll, I'll definitely keep my eye on it, Boris. Yep. You should. You really should. You really should. <laughs> Take a look at that. Indeed. Indeed, <laughs> I shall. Yes. All right, so that is. Are we, are we going to move on to the wrestling portion? Yeah, I think we're. I think we're sported out for now. Well, do you want to quickly? Do you want to? Uh, that's that's sports talk. We could do entertainment real fast if yeah, you want to. Yeah, let's do, do some bars. entertainment because we do say we do sports, we do entertainment, we do sports, entertainment. Might as well talk some entertainment. 
Season three of Atlanta finished up. Oh, uh, we're, so good. Spo- spoiler free season three of Atlanta chat. It was kind of like anthology more than this, the what Atlanta has been in the past. A little more like standalone, weird kind of video essay episodes, a little more David Lynchian in some ways. Uh, so uh, your uh, your mileage may vary, but I loved this season. I thought it was I thought it was brilliant in a lot of ways. Made me think as uh, you know a very privileged white person about the world, and just Donald Glover is an amazing artist. Some great performances, some beautiful cinematography. Show's incredible. It's just an incredible show. It's so well done because you laugh your ass off. But there's so much meaning behind that show, and it's a real reflection, a real essay, a real art piece about the world that we actually live in no a hundred percent yeah it it makes you laugh makes you think and it's just uh, it rewards repeat viewings can't recommend atlanta highly enough if you haven't seen it yet and it's it's a quick binge too it's what is it like 35 episodes 30 maybe not even not even at this point not even i think it's under 30 at this point there you go. So yeah, highly recommended Atlanta. Season three just wrapped. I believe they are shooting or have shot season four, and that's coming in the fall. And that's going to be it for Atlanta. That's the end of the uh, the whole series. So uh, yeah, in and out with a bang. I'm a big fan of the show. Can't recommend it highly enough. Please check it out. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus at least here in Canada. Uh, I believe it's on whatever FX, wherever FX streams in the states. Yes, yeah, that is that is correct. Yeah, the first two seasons right now, but season three is coming, I'm sure, yeah, in Canada. Exactly, exactly. Um, which led me to a question I asked you on Saturday. I don't know if you remember me asking you this, and that was, have you ever watched the show Dave? No, I haven't, but yeah, I do remember. We talked about it. I, apparently, the, the, the read on Dave is that it's like poor man's Atlanta or perhaps yeah. white people Atlanta. So, I, you know, I'll check it out. But, like, it's a little bit like why eat hamburgers when I have the steak right here. You know I, I what I mean? I wouldn't put it that way. I wouldn't put it that okay. way. Don't go okay. into the show thinking that. It has Fair. its own charm and it has its own story to tell about the world we live in, in my opinion, and how cool. some people view themselves about how the world views them. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a shot at some point. I'm not opposed to the idea, but yeah, I was mostly just kind of a, not obsessed, but just kind of like super into, intrigued yeah. by, and consuming a lot of Atlanta. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. But now exactly. that now that season three has wrapped, I need uh, I need something new. So yeah, perhaps it will be Dave. Give it a shot. I think you should. Right on, man. Right on. Yeah, we should talk more TV and and uh, musics and uh, moving pictures and such. Yeah. Well, talking about music, I went to uh, Deftones last night. Really? That's cool. Yeah. First uh, uh, Deftones show I've been to in like I think fifteen years or something like that. Maybe a little <laughs> less, but it's been a while. But I love the Deftones live. Uh, they're so good live. Almost as fun as a Tool show. Not as long as a Tool show, but just as fun. Nice. I've never seen either, but I'm a big fan of the Deftones. Actually, I like the Deftones more than Tool. I've never really gotten deep into the Tool. It's more of like a... I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, not, Tool's not necessarily super my thing. I do love the Deftones, too. That's dope, though, man. Where do they play? Uh, Budweiser Stage, Molson Amphitheater, uh, oh, Ontario cool. Place, whatever you want to call right. it. Right. No, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. Yep, and then next week I'm going to Slipknot. That's going to be a lot of fun. 
Oh, nice. I have seen Slipknot live. I've Same. seen, uh, what, what was it, Riot Fest I went to yeah. one year with like Slipknot and like Five Finger Death Punch and all kinds of stuff. Nice. Slipknot is insane live. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That that show was actually a ton of fun. I'm not a huge metal guy either, but like, you know, I, I appreciate it. I, I like a couple Slipknot tunes and that was fucking wild. That was a ton of fun to go to one of those once, you know? You want to you wanna hear how much of a trip that show is going to be? You know who's opening for Slipknot? Who's that? Cypress Hill. Oh, that's sick! They were yeah. at uh, they were at Riot Fest too. I think that I, I'm pretty oh, sure awesome. I saw Cypress Hill too. That's yeah. ah, that's incredible, man! So dope. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun little night. Uh, yeah, next week is going to be so busy. I have a lot to do before I go to Vancouver. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Slipknot show is going to be a ton of fun. Really looking forward to it. Especially the little group that's going. That's going to be an interesting group to uh, watch. With. Watch some crazy old man death metal. I yeah, can't fix it. I, I can't imagine. Old? I guess. I guess it is. Getting like, there. Getting there. It's at least dad metal at this point. Damn, you're so true. I'm thinking <laughs> of the group I'm going with, and I think, am I the youngest person? No, I'm not the youngest <laughs> person. But still, holy crap, you're right. Oh, that's amazing, <laughs> man. That's amazing. Yo, wow. by the way, do you do you go to Vancouver often? Is this your first time in, in years? Or, like, do you uh, want to go I more often? I go there often? for work. I go there for work. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, I have a couple friends in Vancouver, and, like, I need to I need to get out west very soon. So I was going to say, next time you go, let me yeah. know. Maybe we can plan some kind of situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I go there. Uh, now I'm going to be going a lot more, but I go there a lot for work. But uh, this is a personal trip, uh, so my brother yeah. lives out there now. So, so yeah, so so I kind of want to visit him. It's going to be a boys' trip. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. It's been years since him and I just like hung out alone, kid free. Nice. <laughs> nice man. Oh, that, that's that sounds dope. It's good to get that bonding time, that family bonding time. Yep, exactly, man. All right, do you want to move on to the world of uh, fake fighting, of wacky yeah. costumes? So, and- man, May 23rd is a really sad day, at least for oh. professional wrestling. There's a lot of things that happen May 23rd. Uh, probably most notable is the anniversary of the death of Owen Hart. Um, you know, if you've listened to this show or any other show on on uh, Sunday night's main event, you know that Owen Hart is, like, my favorite wrestler, period. No ifs, ands, or buts around that. Um, and it's just a sad day, especially because it was such an avoidable situa- situation. So that pisses me off the most about the entire thing with Owen. Um, and I'm not going to get into it, but at the end of the day, it's a very sad day. And I'll never forget, you know, you know how they always say, you know, you'll you'll always remember where you were when Kennedy was shot, right? I will no. never forget exactly where I was when... Jim Ross went on TV and said that Owen had passed. Honestly, this is going to sound really weird, but this is kind of like my how I react to stuff. I kind of laughed a little bit, and I'm like, that it, it, what this this isn't real. This is not real. Yeah, man. Yeah, the same way. Like I got home from seeing, I believe, the Mummy with uh, the 1999 one with, like, Brendan Fraser, I think, or whatever, right? The one that The Rock would later show up in. Anyway, yeah. and, yeah, and I and I walked in the door, and my dad told me, and he was like, but I think it's fake. It's like a, it's like an Undertaker thing, I bet. But, yeah, apparently, like, that's it was, like, on the news, so it might be real. He's But he was like, it's wrestling. It's Vince McMahon. So I think it's fake, but... 
And I was like, what? And so I, so immediately, because my dad told me in that way, kind of nonchalantly, I was like, oh, what, what is, what are they doing? Are they losing their mind? I guess it's fake. And I think we had like, I, I don't think we had the, like a computer with the internet in my house yet. So I kind of went to bed that night, not really knowing much about it. And then waking up the next morning and seeing it like all over sports center, you know what I mean? And being like, Oh shit. Like, no, this is, this is real. And it kind of setting in like later, you know yeah. what I mean for me? And I was just like, it was devastating. It's, it, it's such a, like you said, such a tragic, avoidable, avoidable event, but we don't need to go into that. If you're interested in learning more about it and you have yet to see the dark side of the ring episode, please, please watch that. And it'll tell you a lot about it. Um, but yeah, the, what what was nice recently was seeing Martha Hart at a wrestling show with a smile on her face and this Owen Hart Foundation tournament. Like we can bitch about it as wrestling fans, like it was thrown together or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's it's a thing that's being done to honor a great man and for a good cause, the Owen Hart Foundation. And I think there's some there's some positives happening now from this terrible tragedy. Twenty years later, twenty five, twenty two, whatever it was, right? So, man, very 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 sad day, like you said, for a number of reasons too, because there are a couple of tragic anniversaries on this day yeah the second tragic anniversary is that today may 23rd is the second anniversary of the passing of hannah kimura um she was a yoshi start that was joshi start that was just in the up and rise you know she was already had a great following uh, earlier that year she got her name out there uh, when she did a opening match of Wrestle Kingdom, when Stardom was invited to Wrestle Kingdom to put on a match, she was probably this one of the stars of that match. She was an up-and-coming star in another 100% avoidable situation. And to anyone who ever does any online bullying or, you know, especially the wrestling community, you know, you guys need to just, you know, shut the fuck up sometimes. Um, I don't know how else to put it, to be honest. Like, this is tragic you don't know the mentality of the person on the other side right like you just don't know and clearly you don't give a shit but you know this is just one of those things that again completely avoidable but a little some douchebags just just went a little too far and bullied her a little too much after an appearance in a reality show and um yeah she you know she 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 ended her own life unfortunately yeah, that was a very tragic situation. And yeah, it's there's a lot with like the Japanese idol culture and there's a lot of pressure on a woman like Hannah Kimura who is on television in this reality show and a star in the wrestling promotion and a rising star and man, yeah, like I don't know. You, it's just it's just so so tragic and I respect your pa passion there Boris you know what I mean I think we could all stand to be a little nicer to everyone all the time trolling is a waste of time and so stupid and brings nothing but harm into the world and uh, please stop doing it if you're doing it <laughs> and, you know yeah. just uh, spread love not hate and exactly. rest in peace rest in peace Hanukkah that's a tragic loss tragic tragic loss that's just uh, such a young woman but I but also like it's tragic because she was so young and she had so much to offer the world, not just the, the silly business of professional wrestling. But don't get it twisted. She would have, would have, would have 100% been a humongous star in wrestling. Would have. So it's 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 smaller tragedy for the wrestling business and a huge tragedy for the family and, you know, friends of Hannah Kimura. Yep. All right, so we have, there is one little last piece of kind of news-ish thing that I wanted to touch on, and it's kind of been the hot news of the week, and it's another one of those things um, where you don't, well, 
you should know it's real life, but for some reason, the internet wrestling community thinks that everything is a work, everything is fake, everything is scripted, um, and that is the whole Sasha Banks Naomi situation. I think it was fair to ask on the first day because WWE presented it on television. They like it, it once once they talk about it on TV. I think it's fair for you to assume it's fake because it's WWE. Having said that, sometimes they talk about real shit on TV. For example, Boris, a grim example. May 23rd, 1999, right? Like they sometimes they talk about real life on television. And in less grim examples are The Ultimate Warrior in 1996, Stone Cold Steve Austin, when he walked out in, I believe it was 2003, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, anyway. Right after WrestleMania 18. Right, right. Apologies. Um, anyway, man. So yeah, I this one's weird to me because I, I understand thinking like Sasha Banks has a reputation for being argumentative and stuff and she could maybe quote unquote being at fault, but like standing on the sidelines here, not knowing the situation. What we do know is John Laurinaitis history. We know that the story is that these performers were yelled at in a meeting and maybe Sasha Banks was like, Hey, I'm on the fucking Mandalorian. You don't get to talk to me like this. I want to build something with Naomi and be tag team champions. We had it going. If you guys want to fuck with that, I'm walking. And and in a way, I respect that. We don't know exactly what went on, though. I don't know how professional she's being. But I know I, I what I'm not doing is giving John Laurinaitis the benefit of the doubt. I will give any performer the benefit of the doubt over the, him and the machine. You know my what I'm saying? One That's thing, kind my of my one, I agree with you 100% except for my one thing is if Sasha and Naomi did not talk to the other competitors of that match and just up and left and screwed Four other women out of that main event spot at Monday Night Raw on a live TV show, leaving as the show is going on air. That's the one douchey move. Having said that, yes, I fully understand where Naomi and Sasha are coming from. Um, but you know, I think that you know the question needs to be asked if the entire situation and what was 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 talked about with other competitors, or if they just up and left without saying a word. That's totally fair. I can get behind that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe it'll come out. Maybe it won't. It's not really our business. Doesn't at matter. The end of the day. I, we're fa- like at the end of the day. Just, yeah. We're fans. Like, we're consuming this content. These are yeah. these people's lives. They have limited amount of time, especially the women have limited amount of time to perform make money, get their name out there. So, yes, I understand why some women might want to be a little more protective of their name, of their character, of their characterization, of what they portray on TV because there's only a small window where they can be, quote-unquote, superstars. Yeah, man, I I appreciate that. That's an excellent point, especially in WWE where it seems like they're – you know, firing people like a, just grabbing people off the assembly line. Like they don't care about you really. It, it seems at all, unless you're a uh, Roman Reigns or Roman Reigns' cousin. So. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, man. So. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying I'm on Sasha's or, and Naomi's side because I think that's just a silly way to look at it. But I, what I am saying is I, I'm not giving WWE and specifically the John Laurinaitis led women's revolution, women's devolution. You know what I mean? I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. No, sir. Yeah. Um, can we talk about one last thing before we move on to some actual wrestling chat? Sure. 
that's the whole Stephanie taking a leave of absence thing. That's another situation where people and the internet wrestling community just need to back the fuck off. Yeah, to me, like that's just the thing. That's just like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, to me, the best way to uh, to back off is to back off ourselves, right? Like, I yeah. don't have any a strong opinion on no, that. Then, I, hope- I just wanted to yeah. say, people need to back off. We don't have we have zero context. We have no idea. I've seen stuff from you know divorce to creative differences to you know we don't know what the situation. Maybe, me guys. Maybe when her husband had a heart issue and almost died, they realized, you know what? Family is important. Exactly right, man. To me, it's just like, I don't know, the hens are going to cluck, the chickens are going to cluck, pigs are going to roll around in the mud. We don't have to get involved in that nonsense, you know what I mean? I wish the family the best. I hope everyone is okay. And if a story is to emerge, if if she, for example, like you said, like just all the wild speculation, if she's divorcing Triple H, I think we're going to hear about it when hey. the papers are filed. You know what I mean? So like, well, that's, we don't need to rush to speculate. Exactly. Like, once the story comes out, we'll know. I'm exactly. sure that's, we'll that's that's simply my point. I'm not trying to speculate or say anything. I'm just saying, let these people live. At the end of the day, the only thing that we need to care about is what we're watching in front of the screen on TV each and every week. What you and I are reviewing and talking about. That's all that matters. Well, you know what? And to some extent, I, I think it's fine to speculate about Sasha Banks and Naomi. That's interesting. That's like cool. Like, oh, they walked out. Like, I wonder why. That's like behind the scenes intrigue. To speculate about why Stephanie McMahon is taking a leave of absence is, is way more gross, in my opinion. And to throw out theories about like Triple H's health or their the strength of their marriage or whatever, that's just gross. That's just TMZ grossness, in my opinion. So like, I think one of them is kind of healthy for the wrestling business and one of them is quite unhealthy for the wrestling yeah. business, you know? All right, let's go chat some results, and I think we're going to start with Impact Wrestling. Again, dude, Impact's on such a hot streak right now. Uh, Last week's Impact TV was actually really good. Uh, You know, they're building up towards TNA's 20th anniversary at Slammiversary. Uh, You know, they seem to be really taking the history in any video package of Slammiversary always hints and alludes to to the past, so I can I hope to God they bring out the old set. Oh, I think they will, and we're seeing some of the old favorites. The only three matches announced so far: a singles match featuring Eric Young in the main event versus Josh Alexander, and a men's Ultimate X match, and the first ever Queen of the Mountain Women's King of the Mountain match. Yep, uh, you know, and it's funny because like last week I'm like Eric Young, man. But, oh, man, this match is actually looking really good right now. Like, they're doing a really good job of building Eric Young as a real contender. Uh, They're bringing up his brutality. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about Impact and where we are on the road to Slammiversary. So, dude, right off the bat, this was the first match of Impact. Laredo Kid versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh, man, that sounds great. Yeah, they had, what was the show, Under Siege, where they had a triple threat match featuring Ace Austin, I believe? And it was really, really good. Yeah, Uh, just the last special. So, you know, something that I've been talking about with a few people on the SNME Facebook group is that the X Division is what the X Division was meant to be. Where it is today is what it was meant to be. And it feels like the the X Division of old. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because the X Division for a time was the only thing worth watching in the entire promotion. 
Yeah. And and that's kind of how it feels like right now. You know what it feels like, especially with the positioning of some of these uh, X Division matches. It feels like old school 1996, 1997 Nitro with the cruiserweights just tearing it apart for the first half hour. I love it though. That's really cool. And this match was great because you know you have Laredo Kid as someone who they're obviously liking, and you have Speedball Mike Bailey who seems to be like the you know the new the new precious gem of Impact, and you have a disputed finish because while Mike Bailey got the official win, Laredo's Laredo Kid's foot was under the rope for the win. So you know a little controversial. It's happening like a it's lot. Happening yes. a lot in wrestling recently. I feel like we say foot under the rope a, a lot in the last couple of weeks. It's kind of strange. It's so funny how wrestling will do that. Like a couple companies will just reuse the idea. Like boom, 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 boom. It's like someone saw it and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I, I, I like that finish." And then they use it once and then forget about it again. Yep, exactly. Um, Ace Austin. We're gonna talk about him in the next segment when we talk about best of the Super Juniors. But I have to say this: I am becoming a huge ace austin fan i haven't seen enough of them that's something i need to watch i have not watched any of the best of super juniors i'm not watching impact every week but i am watching the specials when i can so i like the little bit of ace austin i've seen yep he's doing great he had a video promo from japan uh, and he kind of he's building up the ultimate x match uh so announced in that match right now is mike bailey and kenny king just those three alone just those three alone gives me a chubby <laughs> really really going to that chubby a, a lot lately boris let's yeah, just man. let's just leave it at that exactly um you know we also had a it, you know i was complaining about the knockouts division i was complaining that the impact isn't respecting tasha steels as champion so what did they do this week we had a six-woman tag as Deanna Perrazzo, Tasha Steeles, and Savannah Evans teamed up against Jordan Grace, Taya Valkyrie, and Mia Yim. Yeah, Mia Yim in the impact zone, Boris. Yep, so Grace, Valkyrie, Yim ended up winning that match. That was great. Uh, right now, they're also trying to build up the, 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 the Knockouts Tag Team Championships, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Chris Sabin, you know, so here's a fun match that was announced for next week, this Thursday. Chris Sabin versus Frankie Kazarian. Oh, yeah, that's TNA 2003-2004 right there. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, and again, like I was mentioning, they, they're doing a great job of building up Eric Young versus Josh Alexander. They had a great video for Eric Young kind of kind of highlighting his career in TNA reminding you that hey this isn't the guy that was you know in NXT and then forgotten about in Smackdown this guy's been part of our history for 20 years and you know they're building up the fact that he's a core member of TNA's history and Josh Alexander is kind of like trying to fight that history fight that historical figure so this match is really being built up really really well Nice. Yeah, it kind of needs the help, too, because on paper, it's not that strong. But I'm glad they're doing a good job of it. Yep. And here's a fun one. So Masha Slamovich got her win over some 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 local jobber. But here we go. We were talking about this this week on Impact. The match was set up after her, her match against Shauna Reed. It's going to be Masha Slamovich versus uh, Havoc. Nice. So, yeah, so like uh, uh, Haas v. Haas 
women's division match in a lot of ways there. Yep. Exactly. And then we had the main event of Impact was the rematch of Violet uh, for the Tag Team Championship. So that's Violent by Design. Diener and Joe Doring uh, versus Eric Young. Or with Eric Young versus Jay and Mark Briscoe. So this match was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, the Briscoes win. Uh, so it makes me wonder where they're going to end up going uh, for this tag team division. It's very interesting. Briscoe's just kind of walk in our champions immediately off the hop. And yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, what are they going to do with the Briscoes? Where do they go from here? I guess it's good for the Briscoes that they found a they found a home, though. They found a landing spot because obviously Tony Khan, I don't think he's ever going to do business with them. Unfortunately, no. So this that actually sets up the main event for this week's impact, which is violent by design. Uh, you have Diener, Doring and Young. Versus, get this team, Josh Alexander and the Briscoe brothers. Yeah, that, that's fun. You can see that the natural pairing after that main event. But uh, yeah, that'll be an, inter- an interesting six-man tag for sure. Yep, exactly. So yeah, the road to Slammiversary, is, is, it's going. We're still about three, four weeks away. And uh, I think that uh, you know Impact is going to surprise a lot of people. I'm just hoping it's going to be a, dare I say, knockout of a show. <laughs> pie in face <laughs> alright so are we going to travel to Japan talk some best of the super juniors before we uh, hit up some retro chat absolutely yeah the best of the super juniors the uh, junior heavyweight G1 as it were it is uh, in full swing right now what are we uh, six nights six in? Nights in six nights there in you go. Matt better than last year's G1 so far what? Wow, that yeah. is very, very strong. That so here's, is extremely strong. Here's the thing. Number one, the shows are roughly two, two and a half hours each. Right there, okay. alone. <laughs> Win. <laughs> Good. Yes. There's true. not a lot of BS matches. It's it's not like, you know, it, it, they try to get to the blocks as fast as humanly possible, which is something that I really do appreciate. Um, there's a really good mixture of North American, Japanese talent, uh, and I think the matches have been really well done. There's only like, you know, outside of Taguchi, I think every performer has a legit chance of, of really putting on a great match. And I'm not saying Taguchi's not good or anything. It's just I think that, you know, they could have filled that spot a little better. So I'm going to go night by night. I'm not going to talk about every match, but I am going to kind of give kind of quick thoughts about that night. And then to wrap it up, I'll give everyone an update on where we are with the blocks. How does that sound, dude? Oh, it sounds great, man. You're driving this bus, homie. Yep. All right. So night number one started with a block. Who would have thought? And I have to say that the best match of the night uh, was, let me take a look, Francisco Akira versus Show. That was by, not by far, it was a, the my match of the night. And I have to say that Zane and Kenamaro had the second best match. Yes, that Alex Zane. He is killing this tournament. He is doing so good. It's insane. Insane how good he is. Oh, yeah. Alex Zane, he had a cup of coffee in NXT, and it's uh, it's nice to see him out there killing it. Yep. All right. So that was night one, and those are the two matches that you should check out. Night two had a couple awesome matches. Uh, I think the best match of that night. Uh, was Wheeler U- uh, Wheeler Yuta versus Eddie Eagles. 
Robbie Eagles? Robbie. I don't know why I said Eddie. I, my notes are all <laughs> fucked up here. Yeah. Robbie. Robbie. Oh, nice. I love Robbie Eagles' work, man. He's somebody that doesn't get nearly enough respect. He's kind of a little buried in this junior heavyweight division in New Japan, but he's he he's a very talented wrestler. Because there's so many, there's so just so many, right? So he doesn't get yeah. that highlight, you know, especially you have El Fantasma. There's just so much. There's just so much going on in, in, in that junior division right now. That's what I really appreciate of this tournament is that it's not just two or three guys who realistically could win. At this point, anyone could win, and you have someone like a Wheeler Yuta you know, I give this the match of the night, but he, he looked a little rough at times in this match. He looked like he was nervous. He looked like he just didn't, uh, like he was taking it in a little too much, but he did have a really good crisp match, um, and, and it just, everything looks so fluid, and again, that's what I appreciate the most in professional wrestling, when things look fluid and people aren't just stopping to wait. So... So, sorry, I was doing that on purpose. Just, just after you said that, just have Stop a it. big pause. Just a, just a big pause. I felt like that was a good bit. All right, moving on. <laughs> You're such an idiot sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't mean it. Uh, Desperado and Titan had a great match as well, and even uh, TJP and Wado had a good match. Master, the the most master of all Wados. Yep. So out of night two, if there's two matches that you have to watch, it's Wheeler and Eagles and Desperado Titan. All right. All right. Night number three. Uh, so this match was arguably had the best match of the entire tournament thus far. That is Hiromu Takahashi versus Francisco Akira. This match went just over 17 minutes, and it was so good. Match of the tournament so far. So Francisco Akira, I'm not very familiar with his work. Um, I'm not either. I'm not either. This is really the first time I've seen a lot of him, uh, and and it kind of it's one of those it's one of those things where I'm like I need to see more. I really do need to see more at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 he he he's Italian, to be right. Exact. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. Francisco Benini, better known by his name Francisco Akira, is an Italian professional wrestler currently working for the Japanese promotion New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he started in 2015 in the uh, in the Indies in Europe. Then he made his way to All Japan in 2019. He was in All Japan for three years, and he just recently debuted in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. April 9th, Hyper Battle 22. Yeah. There you go. So I kind of want to see more of him. Um, this is one of those matches where you kind of knew that uh, uh, that Takahashi was going to win, but Akira put on a great performance, and it you you kind of at times did believe there would be an upset because it is New Japan. It is these these round robin tournaments where you just really don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, no doubt. So he, every now and then they'll do the Yano beats John Moxley or whatever it might be. So this was on night three, Hiromu versus Francesco Akira. Your choice right now for match of the tournament so far. Yep, exactly. Uh, right. And then the other match, if you're going to watch another match from night three, I would have to say Zane and Show. Really, really good match there. As Matt sneezes his little heart out. And I'm going to just keep vamping a little bit more while he reacts to really good show. Oh. 
and show Zayn having second batch match, the second batch match of the night from night three. Excuse me. Yes, I am. Uh, I am back, Boris. Back by popular demand. I'm still stuck on this Francisco Akira Hiromu match. I might go watch that right away after the podcast. I'm intrigued. I need to see some of this Francisco Akira. Yeah, you should. He's really good. He's a lot of fun. All right, night number four, match of the night. El Desperado and TJP. Oh, our boy, TJP. No, we. I, I'm not going to get into TJP's politics, but I, I think he's kind of an underrated wrestler at this point. TJP, very good in the ring. Got a little bit of a raw deal in WWE. He could have been way more than he was. Yeah. Um, possibly. Possibly. I, I, I'm not sure. It depends how you want to put it. <laughs> my, my opinion. My opinion. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. TJ, TJP and Noam Dar could be uh, in the intercontinental title hunt right now in a different universe. Yeah. Yeah. The second match that you should check out from this match, from this night, was Bushi and Robbie Eagles. Wait, is that the third match? I thought the second one was the one that you just mentioned. No, no, no. We're in night four, buddy. Ah, very good. You're killing me. You're killing me. I'm killing you, man. I've been watching these shows. You're killing me. So, yeah, Bushi and Robbie Eagles, uh, the second best match of night number four. And this leads us into night number five. This night was a ton of fun. I'm going to give you three matches that you should check out. Match of the night, uh, I would have to say, was... Uh, Zane and Ishimori. Uh, sorry, Hiromu against Austin, Ace Austin. This is the match where I'm like, you know what? Ace Austin is going to be a future star, future world champion, any company, any promotion he's in. So Hiromu and Ace Austin get the best match of the night. But a close second is Alex Zane and Ishimori. Nice, nice. I like Taiji Ishimori, too. He is another guy who's a little underrated out there. One of these days, we're going to have to pick a couple people who are overrated right now actually i bet we can do that off the top of our head very easy but you know what i think yeah i think taiji ishimori is really really good people forget about him yep um and then uh, you know if you're gonna check out another uh, another good match akira and taguchi had a good match but match of the night for night number five was uh hiromu and austin and then zane and ishimori and this leads us right into night number six and this night was a pretty good night um i really did like phantasmo and titan uh this one was a really really good match i really did like this uh and then the second best match by uh, not by far was tjp and bushi no sorry tjp and uh ellen lindeman Nice, nice. L. Lindemann, yes. Uh, former AEW star L. Lindemann was in the opening match of the first ever AEW pay-per-view. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe so. I believe I, wasn't so. It, wasn't it SCU versus the uh, the trio, Seema, L. Lindemann, and uh, T-Hawk, maybe? I believe so. I believe you're right. Ha. I don't remember. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, yeah, so L. Lindemann, you might be a little familiar with him. Might have a, a grain of L. Lindemann in your memory. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's another one who's very talented. Yep, so this leads us into the standing. So the A block is looking like this. You have Hiromu Takahashi in first place with six points. Uh, Taiji Ishimori is uh, tied with six points. Ace Austin, four points. Alex Zane, four points. Yo, four points. Francisco Akira, two points. Show two points. Uh, Taguchi, 
two points, Clark Connors, zero points, uh, and Kanemaru, zero points. So in the A block, Hiromu and Ishimori, both 3-0, and both six points, looking like the, excuse me, the favorites. Yes. Yep. And then B block, you have El Fantasmo, 3-0, and six points. El Desperado, 3-0 and with six points. And then third place, you have Robbie Eagles, 2-1, and one, four points. El Lindemann, 2-1, and one, four points. Bushi, 2-1, and one, four points. TJP, 1-2, two, two points. Uh, you have... Dookie, one and two, two points. Wheeler Yuta, one and two, two points. Uh, Master Watos, 0 and three, zero points. And Titan, 0 and three, zero points. Yeah, Wheeler Yuta doing a little worse than I think we anticipated at one and two. But uh, uh, Phantasmo and Desperado were the favorites for the B block. No surprise there. Yep, exactly. So I think the results are kind of looking exactly how we thought they would. Uh, but uh, it's been a very fun, good tournament. Like I said, I'm liking this more than G1 right now, probably because the shows are shorter. And, you yeah. know, the matches are roughly, you know, 15 to 18 minutes. And we're not getting like the 40, 50 minute classics, which, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but. Not every match needs to be that long. G1 matches do have a 30-minute time limit, but usually a lot, especially Naito, will sometimes go 28, 29, the entire, like, 10-match run that yeah. he has, right? So, yeah, man, yeah, I feel you. A shorter, tighter tournament. I like it. Yep. All right, so that is where we are with Best of the Super Juniors. We'll give you an update next week, and we're going to go like that. I'm going to go each night and give you one or two matches that you should check out, and then at the end, I'll give everyone the uh, the updated rankings, and if there's anything that you specifically want to know, just holler at us. <laughs> specifically Boris, because I am not watching, but I will check out that Hiromu versus Akira match. Yep, go ahead, man. All right, so I think we're going to end the night off with some retro reviews. Yeah, so I was just I was just looking at today in WWE history, you know, for for the TikTok because I've been doing that and it's it's been a lot of fun. But uh, that led me to uh, discover that May twenty second, two thousand five, WWE Judgment Day, which was a uh, a two match show, but had a couple just bangers, a couple great ones that people don't really talk about anymore. So I just wanted to touch on those. Uh, kind of show some love to a forgotten show, Judgment Day, two thousand five, Boris. All right, let's do this, buddy. Well, before we do, my friend, I'm going to steal a gimmick from a popular podcast that I like called The Big Picture. When they go into a year year drafts, sometimes they'll do like a 1992 draft of movies or whatever. And then the host, uh, Sean Fantasy, likes to ask his guest, who were you? Where were you? What was your life? What were you doing in the year 2005, big homie? How was 2005 Boris? 2005 Boris was uh, was a year of transition, that's for sure. I moved to Oakville in 2005, uh, moved in with my brother and his wife at the time. They were expecting their first child, so I feel like at the end of the day, it was a living nanny type of situation, but I was still in university. (laughs) I was finishing up university. I was uh, working at a restaurant running a kitchen. That's where Boris was able to really show off his cooking skills with a Z. So 2005 to like 2008-9 was a real transitional uh, period of my life. 2005 is also, so I was... Uh, 1920 at the time, and uh, that's uh, when I really, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, a lot was a lot was happening around that time. I got my first. <laughs> no, I, I was just thinking. I got my first uh, co-op job uh, with my brother through my brother. Nice. 
working as a developer at a medical firm in Toronto, in Etobicoke to be exact, right in front of Islington subway station uh, was where the office was. And uh, yeah, it was a very weird, chaotic time of my life. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I was, it was, but it was a good time. So yeah, it was a very transitional period for, for good old Boris. For good old Boris Tino. Well, nice, man. That's interesting. That's good to hear, buddy. Uh, you know, building, uh, growing, you know. Uh, yeah. A, a, a period of growth, both both personal and professional. It was. It really was. It really was. <laughs> I love it, buddy. I love it. So in 2005, May 22, 2005, I had either just graduated or was about to just graduate high school. I was in grade 12. And I did take the victory lap, Boris. I did go back for the for the unofficial OAC, the grade 12 and a yeah. half, yeah. grade 13. Got a couple extra classes, tried to get into a better university. Did not succeed in my goal went to Laurentian anyway but it's all good man yeah 2005 May it was a good time I was like I guess I was 17 or 18 uh, and just about to graduate high school like I said and just kind of loving life I had a, a, an intrepid a Chrysler intrepid that uh, I hate to drive so my friends would mostly drive and uh, yeah man just living life you know trying to uh, trying to shoot shots make buckets Yep, 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 yep. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, man, I just think back and like, wow, 2005, it's just such a, it's so crazy, like that, that, that period of my life. If you had known me back then and how you know me now, I'm not going to say night and day, but uh, there was a more douchey factor to me back then. <laughs> oh, God, more douchey? No, yeah, I'm just kidding. But... Believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, we all mellow out, I think, over time in our old age. But yeah, so Judgment Day 2005, May 22, 2005. Just quickly, we'll get through the card here uh, before we get to the main event. So we started with Eminem, Joey Mercury, and Johnny Nitro versus Charlie Haas and Hardcore Holly. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave that one three and a corner star. Eminem won to retain their tag team titles. We had yeah. Carlito Caribbean Cool Boris versus the Big Show. One star. Carlito won that match. I have zero recollection of this. Same here. Same here. It's news <laughs> to me. Uh, uh, Paul London defeats Chavo Guerrero for the Cruiserweight Championship. Two and three quarter star from Dave Meltzer. Oof. Oof. Yes. Booker T defeats Kurt Angle. Another one I have zero recollection of. Three and a quarter. Okay, okay. Boris, and leading into our two-pack, our double main event, check this out. Here's a couple of bangers for you. Orlando Jordan versus the immortal Heidenreich. <laughs> Minus one star by the great Uncle Dave Meltzer. Oh, my God. Heidenreich. That's a name that I just, until people say that name, I do not remember <laughs> him being a thing. Heidenreich versus Orlando Jordan. Good heavens. Orlando Jordan uh, defending his WWE United States title in that match. So that brings us to the two-pack, Boris, the double main event. Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero and John Cena versus John Bradshaw Layfield. I quit match. So both of these matches, I think you could make a case all-time classics. Uh, we'll get into our ratings after we talk a bit about them, but I I'm not quite sure... I think there are a couple nits to pick. We'll talk about it. So the Rey Mysterio-Eddie Guerrero match, fresh off of 
Eddie Guerrero's heel turn. Absolutely incredible promo that Eddie Guerrero cuts with the ripped mask of Rey Mysterio, still stained with Rey's blood, yelling at the mask, do you think I wanted this? Do you think this makes me happy? The whole thing. Uh, you show up at Judgment Day. I advise against it. Don't make me take away their papa, Boris. One of the great promos of all time setting this match up. Yeah, I remember this promo so well. And, like, man, Eddie Guerrero, he's just a talent. There's going to be no other Eddie Guerrero, period. No, no, man. He was like, a, he was similar to like a Macho Man Randy Savage in that I would say he was 10 out of 10 at almost everything a wrestler could do. Like yeah. 10 out of 10 babyface, 10 out of 10 heel, 10 out of 10 promo, 10 out of 10 character, yeah. high flying, technical wrestling. Yeah, and this is honestly why I really appreciate Santos Escobar because like Andrade does his own thing, right? He has his own family legacy, he has his own thing to really to really focus on and and and, and Santos Escobar does as well. He has his own family legacy, but he's modeled his WWE character out of Eddie Guerrero so much. Yeah. So much that I really appreciate that and, you know, having said that, there will never be another Eddie Guerrero. There never will be another, you know, luchador latino wrestler whatever you want to say uh with just that sheer natural star power and charisma 100 percent, million percent agree so yeah the story of this match and i do advise it's on daily motion also if you've got the wwe network i'm sure it's on there the build-up to this like the pre-match hype video does an excellent job of showing you exactly where they were but so this is this is a hate-filled Eddie Guerrero who put Rey Mysterio on the shelf, turned heel, ripped his mask off, gave him a brain buster on the steel stairs, and cut a violent screaming promo. But, but the whole the whole reason why Eddie flipped his lid, the whole reason why he's so jealous and and, and incensed is because he can't beat Rey Mysterio. So he's not going to go into this match trying to you know. Uh, trying to do anything but win. He's going in as a wrestler and he's got a, a game plan, which is wear down this man's ribs that I just destroyed during my heel turn. So Eddie Guerrero is approaching this match like he's he's a scientific wrestler who wants to win. Rey Mysterio making his comeback from this injury, this heel turn, this is one of the most angry, one of the most fired up, one of the most violent Rey Mysterio performances you'll ever see. And it's a really interesting flip on the typical Guerrero Mysterio match. If you watch Halloween Havoc 1997, for example, Boris, Rey Mysterio, the quintessential babyface, you know, and Eddie Guerrero is violent. He's showing that that killer instinct. Rey Mysterio has the killer instinct in this match. And I really, really like that flip. I have a question for you. Is this... Your favorite Ray Eddie WWE match? No, actually, not even. And it's still so great. But they have a SmackDown match about a month later, yep. June, middle of June, two thousand five. SmackDown. That's their best match. Yeah, that is their that is their best WWE match, and that one might be five stars. And that's not even their best match overall because mm -hmm. Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety seven is an easy, easy that's, five star classic. That's the class. Like that's that's. The classic for me, um, and I agree. I agree with your list there as well. Uh, these are the three. Like I remember this match just so well because, like you mentioned, the way that Eddie, uh, sorry, the way that Rey Mysterio approached this match, it was just you rarely, rarely see Eddie or Rey Mysterio like this. So that's why Absolutely. I really appreciate this match, and this match always stood out for me because you know 
Ray is this happy-go-lucky guy who's just happy to be there, right? Trying to prove everyone wrong that he's not some some little kid, right? So th- when he's intense, he's intense, and it's 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 awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right, man. It was crazy eyes, Rey Mysterio here on this night, and I I loved it. So the the story is Eddie Guerrero is trying to out-wrestle Rey Mysterio, trying to frustrate him, and it is working. But at the same time, Rey Mysterio is an excellent wrestler who is pissed off, so he's going to get his licks in. And they have an excellent, excellent match, hard-hitting, so crisp, a little slower, honestly, than something you'd see, even like a little slower than their match they had eight years prior at Halloween Havoc. it was more of a more of a scientific kind of, uh, you know, just it was it was a meat and potatoes kind of match here. It was a it was a different look for these guys. I loved it. The finish is where I think you could have some questions. So Chavo Guerrero gets involved, which I wish they could have figured out a way to do it without Chavo. I think Chavo just kind of distracted from the overall point of the match. And the whole thing took too long to happen. But basically, Rey Mysterio, a, a chair ends up in the ring. Rey Mysterio does a springboard into Eddie Guerrero, who just Babe Ruth baseball bats this man with this chair just uh, uh, at some point Guerrero says you know what I'm fed up I can't beat this man and in the ultimate sore loser move just says fuck it and dumps the table and beats the crap out of Rey Mysterio with his chair so the finish in a lot of ways is brilliant I think it's kind of it's kind of perfect in some ways but also the Chavo Guerrero piece of it uh was annoying and didn't need to happen that that detracted yep it took away from the spotlight that was this, you know, effort. I'm gonna do things my way. Yeah, man, uh, ex- exactly right. So I thought I thought the storytelling was still overall brilliant. I liked the flip that they did. So for sure, Halloween Havoc is five stars, and I think the. Uh, SmackDown match is at least like four and a half, perhaps five as well. This being maybe the third or fourth best match on the feud, depending on how you feel about the ladder match, still is borderline all-time classic. It's that good. I think because of the Chavo Guerrero thing, I'm going to settle on four and a quarter stars out of five, 85%, solid A, and the best match on this show, even better than the main event, in my opinion, which was also crazy and really, yeah. really good. But Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero from Judgment Day 2005, a hidden gem, forgotten classic. Yep. And it's kind of funny, like, you know, in terms of the main event and JBL, this is the stretch of JBL from like 2004 to 2007, where he was so underrated in everything that he did for some reason, right? Like, you don't realize how huge of a position he had until you kind of take a look back like we are. And you know what honestly hurts him? And I did, I don't think I realized it at the time, but just looking back at the names around him, right? So he's on SmackDown as the, as the world champion while, uh, I mean, Kurt Angle is still killing it. Eddie Guerrero is still alive and well feuding with him and still killing it. Rey Mysterio's on that brand. Guys like Tajiri and Paul London are on that brand. Uh, He who shall not be named, still alive, still one of the best wrestlers, still one of the most respected wrestlers, right? So JBL getting the world title and not being nearly as strong a wrestler as any of those names that I just listed off, I think hurt him a lot. Now, if JBL came along today and got the world title post-Jinder Mahal, You know what I mean? It would feel a lot less egregious. And I think people would be willing to give his character more of a chance because he did do some awesome work. He really did. He really did. He really did. His wrestling might not have been the best, but his character work 
was just top notch at this point. Yeah, and this is the kind of match that you needed to put Bradshaw into. Yes. I quit match, Boris, for the WWE Championship, John Cena versus John Bradshaw Layfield. I think there are some major, major positives with this match and some pretty major glaring negatives with this match. And it's a tough one to rate for that reason, but we'll get into it. So first of all, I just wanted the negatives are it's a little bit no selly. It's a little bit of like Jim Cornette. I bet would hate this match if he watched it because there's a couple times where John, uh, John Bradshaw Layfield will shake off uh, the attitude adjustment basically just to walk to the next spot. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of no selling. Yeah. There's a lot of do a move, stand up, go to the next move. Also, I hate the finish. I don't think the finish was good really at all. I don't think it came across nearly the way they wanted to. And I think it was probably the worst spot in this entire match. Yep. Yep. Uh, this match for me was kind of like, I like this match, but at the same time, these guys had better matches. Uh, well, with other people. Yeah, like in matches. general, in general. Yeah. So yeah. it was like yeah, a for kind sure. of a forgotten match in this era. So let's talk about the the positives. You want to say that AEW does too much blood? There is too much blood in this match. Maybe that's a negative. I think for this moment, for what they needed to do with John Cena, that's a positive in my opinion. So this is 2005 John Cena, right? He is fresh fresh as WWE champion. They crowned him WWE champion at WrestleMania. This is now the May pay-per-view. This is Cena's first real big defense of the title and he needed to come out they wanted to put their baby face through hell and he bled and he went to war and he tried to win those people over and i think on this moment on this day he needed to bleed a lot and boy this is one of the bloodiest matches ever in wwe in wwe history both guys bleeding like crazy yeah, this isn't like Eddie JBL levels of blood, but this was a lot of blood for this, especially this era, because this is when WWE was really transitioning to having a lot less violence, a lot less blood. But you had guys like JBL and like Cena who clearly wanted to prove something to everyone, not only from a storyline point of view, but just from a legitimate star point of view. Uh, you know, so and this is the thing about blood and me. If it's used properly to enhance a story to tell a story i'm all right with it is when you have it every single match because it's an unsanctioned or a, or a or a street brawl or whatever you want to call it that's when it's like okay let's move on but if it's using yeah. this sense to elevate a champion to tell yeah. a story i am a-okay with it absolutely uh, yeah, man. And blood notwithstanding, if you can stomach the blood or even like Boris just said, if you kind of enjoy it for what it is and think it was appropriate on this occasion, this is a breeze to watch. This match flies by. It's structured extremely well. And uh, that's that's kind of it, it's both, uh, you know, good and bad, because at some points they are just walking to the next spot. Like at some uh, there's one egregious one where JBL basically no sells John Cena's finish like 17 minutes into this match. And I was like, Ooh, like that one was rough. That's kind of like that kind of like takes would take anyone out of it, you know? Yeah. Like even if even if you were like a small child, you'd be like, what? How is he standing up so quickly? You know, that's John Cena. That's his finishing. He beats like be like the great Kali with it. You know what I mean? Anyway, 
But uh, yeah, so we're we're picking this because if you we watch a lot of wrestling too, and we can kind of see those things. But like for the for the casual fan, they're just watching a, a crazy fight that's going through the stands, that's going on to John Bradshaw Layfield's limousine, denting it, covered in blood. John Cena rips the door off the limo. Like these guys are really working hard, really having a old school bloody fight and this is what john bradshaw layfield did best is club the crap out of people in a weapons match yep yep exactly so yeah so i i the, the finish of this match which i did not like john cena rips the exhaust pipe off of the transport that drove him to the ring during john cena's entrance he gets jbl pinned against the glass window of the judgment day set so JBL's pinned against this pane of glass. John uh, John Cena has this giant exhaust pipe, and JBL quits. And then John Cena just cross-checks <laughs> Bradshaw through the glass window anyway. So I thought it was an anticlimactic finish to what was a, a crazy match. Very hard to rate. But again, much like the previous, I think I would go four and a quarter stars for this one. 85%. Solid A bloodbath and uh people forget about this one when they talk about putting john cena on the map like we remember mick foley putting uh both randy orton and triple h on the map with bloody brutal matches but we forget about john bradshaw layfield putting john cena on the map on this night with a bloody bloody crazy brawl yep exactly and i would add edge to the mick foley list as well true that's yeah. a good call too although edge was kind of made already he was made, but, but i know exactly like solidified yeah. him as you know someone wwe fully trusts I, I agree with that i can get behind that so yeah little retro review judgment day 2005 both of those matches are on daily motion both of them should be on the network definitely check them out if you haven't seen them in a while classics well very good at least yep exactly all right so that is everything as we wrap everything up in a neat little package as homer simpson would say <laughs> Uh, you know, again, thank thank you everyone for listening. So there's a little issue on the BAM feed. So the only place that you can listen to this live-ish um, and or up to date is on the SNME feed. Uh, so thank you all patrons for listening. We'll have the BAM feed fixed. Someone doesn't like us or someone is trying to screw with us. Uh, but uh, essentially the account is locked for now. So, you know, you're doing a good job when... <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, somebody might be complaining about the name. Worst comes to worst, we'll change the name, man. No. I'm not married to it. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure all that out. Hopefully the RSS feed will be back in a couple of days, and we'll be back on your uh, podcatcher wherever you get it. Thank you very much to the patrons, like you said. Next week, I think we're going to do a little double or nothing star ratings, and I think to celebrate Owen, the Owen Hart Cup, the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament, also, Boris, to celebrate the Battle of Alberta, either wrapping up or coming to Game 7 on Monday, we're going to talk about Owen Hart's finest moment, possibly Alberta's finest moment in the WWF, the Canadian Stampede 10-man tag. That's going to be next week's retro review for you. Yep, it's, it's such a good match. We're going to get really into it then. Uh, so, yeah, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to all the patrons. You have a whole slew of shows coming. Now that BAM is BAM Monday, Monday night, BAM. <sighs> love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you again for listening. He's Matt. I'm Boris. And just remember, stay tranquilo. Yeah, yeah, yeah.